welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, check out thrivechurch.co.nz. Good morning, Cherish. How are you doing this morning? That's good. That's good. It's good to be here. I had a, um, I went on an adventure last night, something I've never done before. We had some youth leaders around to our house, which is, that's not that unusual. And we, I had a lot of ice cream, and that's not unusual. But then I got hit with this sugar rush around about half past nine. The sugar rush just kind of like kicked in. And I thought, oh, I've got, I've got this energy. I've got this energy. Normally, it's my bedtime right about now. So I jumped on the exercise and, and I exercised for 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, I hopped off. I had more energy and the endorphins were going. And now it's 10.30. And I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was like, I know. I'll go for a run. So I put on a high-vis vest, a headlamp, and I put my shoes on. And Ryan was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I just, I've got to get rid of this energy. So I just tore out the door and went running off down the street. Do you know how terrifying it is to run in the country when there's no stars or moon out, and it's so dark, and about 20 seconds into this run, because I'm not that brave of a person when it comes to the dark, I begin to get quite afraid. And oh my goodness, do you know animals make the same, the weirdest sounds? Sheep were going, but normally they go, meh. At nighttime they go, and you go like this. She's like, was it a demon? You know, because your, your imagination is just a rolling. And I've been doing Spirit Wars, Chris Valentin stuff, and my imagination is just pinging. You go like this in the daytime. You're like, oh, it's a sheep. You do that at nighttime, and all you see is orange and green eyes go flashing up. And I was running, and there's this dog barking, which I assume it was dog, not demon. And all I could see were these eyes go up and down this fence line as I'm running. It's trying to find, oh, my gosh, I've never run that fast in my entire life. I was like greased lightning. Oh my goodness. So I am well and truly rested this morning, excited to bring you a word. I'm just going to start by praying. God, I think that you're absolutely amazing and there's a huge amount of fun. And Lord, I just ask this morning that you would just come in with the words that I have on my heart to share and that you would open up people's hearts to the radical love of who you are and you would begin to take our lives to another level of just the goodness of being your sons and daughters. Amen. Um, this morning, I, I want to share a, a, a bit of a, a snapshot of the last two to three months of my personal life journey, which just fits really well with our theme, Follow Closer, Love Stronger. Um, and I've just been on this really interesting uh, heart tangent uh, with God, as, he's, as, as He often does with us, as he, he peels back another layer of things and goes, what's behind this? Oh, I wasn't surprised, but Jared, you seem to be really surprised by what's behind that heart layer. Let's, let's do some work in there. So I've been on this really interesting journey, and as I've been going on this journey, just the last few weeks, I've actually just clicked into the Passion Translation of the Gospel of John. Now, if you haven't read the Passion Translation of John, or you've just in general never read the Gospel of John, I want to encourage you, let that be your homework for this week. Get into the Gospel of John 
even if it's old King James. Just make yourself a start in there. Because of all the disciples that loved Jesus, of all of them who followed them, John just had, he just saw so much more of who he was in connection with Jesus. And he has this sense of understanding of how deeply loved he was. And it just comes through so clearly in his writings. And like normally when I read the Bible, like I'm a pretty task-focused guy. So I'm like, I've got half an hour to read the Bible in this slot. And so I just want to see how many chapters can I read in 30 minutes. And I'm like, boom, got through six chapters. Speed read that thing. Excellent. High five, God. We nailed it. Making progress through the Word. But at the moment, which is not how we teach people to do it when I teach them how to do it at Thrive Discovery, which is why Lynn normally does that teaching. Um, but because I just like I just like knowing things. Um, but when you when I've been reading this at the moment, I get through like a chapter in half an hour. And then I go back the next day and I reread the chapter. And it's just been, God has just been using his word to unlock truth in my life. And I want to share some of those things with you this morning. So a few months ago, I, I had a very interesting night's sleep, which sort of became the catalyst for the season that I'm still journeying through at the moment. And what happened is I woke up at about 3 a.m., which I don't normally ever just wake up, just go to bed, I wake up in the morning and then eat. And so I woke up at three in the morning and I had this strangest sensation. And the only way I could describe it was like almost like a sense of worry, anxiety, um, and just far too many thoughts going on in my head. And I lay there wrestling with these thoughts as I was looking towards my dreams, things I've been working towards, and all of these different things of these tasks that I had in my life, and it began to feel like they weren't going to happen. And as I began to feel like they weren't going to happen, it began to feel like my value of who I was was diminishing with every single thing that wasn't going to succeed. And I wrestled with this thoughts to about five in the morning. And then I got up and I went into the lounge and thought, this is like, my mind is going crazy. This is flashback to when I turned 25 and I thought I was like so old, I was going to die. And I went out and bought a motorbike and then I rode that motorbike. And I literally thought I was going to die. So I never rode it again. Hey, we had this tiny little flat, even parked it in the lounge for a while. My wife was so gracious. Who lets your husband park a motorbike in the lounge? My goodness. So I feel there's this crazy thing going on. And so I'm in the lounge at five in the morning going, God, what is happening to me? What is happening? I don't understand what is happening. I've got, like, I feel like my dreams are dying. God, I just, I feel like my dreams are dying. I don't know why I would have this feeling. Why do I feel like my dreams are dying? And, and I said, God, what do I need to do? It's always good to get a practical thought from God. And this is what I felt like he said to me. Go on the internet and listen to Chris Valentin's latest podcast. And I was like, well, that's just probably my imagination because that's too specific. Um, so I went onto the internet, listened to Chris Valentin's latest podcast, and the title was called Germination, Letting Things Die So That They Can Live. And it was a word that was so totally specific in season for me, began to open up and unpack and gave me this realization over the last few months that for most of my life, I have been searching and trying to find fulfillment. 
If we could start that PowerPoint slide, man, that'd be fantastic. So what I wanted to do this morning, as we look in our season of following closer, loving stronger, I want to teach this morning on how we can find Nemo. And if we can't find Nemo, let's go for fulfillment. And I wanted to do a little bit of a series. I'm going to kick it off this morning. I'm going to do some more of it tonight because it's just such a big topic. Fulfillment, part one, its foundation. I want to look at what does the foundation for fulfillment look like in our life? How do we begin to be fulfilled? See, we all have this deep need for fulfillment for our identity, but where and how we look for our primary fulfillment and significance will begin to impact every part of our life. If we look for it in the wrong areas, whether we look for it in our workplace, whether we look through it through our children, through our social status, through our image, through our finances, through our abilities, our sporting achievements, even our spiritual gifts. If we misallocate our identity around our significance, then what actually happens is our life begins to have a misallocation of emotional energy and needs. See, it for me, what began to happen is that I began to, over years, I learned to misplace my need for fulfillment for something that I could see directly in front of me. So in a really practical sense, I'm going to be really, really honest in this. This is like, I'm really grateful that God doesn't wait for us to have perfect motives before he'll let us do something. Because he'll just be waiting forever. I even thought about that sometimes in my own life. I'd be like, man, I want to grow closer to Jesus. And I ask myself, do I really want to grow closer to Jesus or do I just want more power? Because, like, I'd love to walk on water. That would be pretty cool. And I've discovered that no matter what your motives are, when you start doing something with God, God quickly begins to alter your heart motives. So right out there from the back, if you ever feel like, man, I don't know if my motives in this are 100% right, it's okay. God's going to help sort out your motives as you go on the journey. So when I went on the, the adventure of building storm camps, you probably say roughly if you had a pie chart, maybe 90% of my emotion was like, that's, that's, they're good motives, it's a good heart connection. But there are elements where I was really looking, and there's lots of aspects of my life where there's still portions of this, and God would just continue to do that with us as he weeds those things out, where I wanted to have a sense of significance and fulfillment from what I was doing. And so I'll do something like our youth camp and I put a whole lot of effort into it because you want that you want things what you do to go well. But when you're looking for your own self-worth to get reflected back to you in what you're doing, then what you're doing now has two things that it needs to deliver. It has to deliver its primary function, but now it also has to deliver back to you your self-worth, your own sense of fulfillment, your own sense of identity. And what we actually do when we operate in those things, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our work, whatever it is, when we operate by putting an additional thing of significance or fulfillment on something, we actually place a huge amount of pressure onto that outward thing. And so then it has to deliver more than it can capable of and we begin to feel a huge amount of pressure. And so I would get fearful around things. What if people don't turn up? What will that say about me? What if lives don't get changed? What will that say about me? 
what if this and what if that? And then the things that were meant to be joyful, the things that were meant to be the natural expression of our lives begin to become things that actually are filled with pressure and tension. And for me, I begin to become very driven as a leader as I look at all these different things that now need to deliver their goal, but they also have to reflect back to me a level of self-worth. First point I'd like to make this morning is looking for fulfillment and identity where it doesn't belong can actually become a toxic ingredient. When we place a need for something where it doesn't belong, we rob that thing of the joy that it could have given to us. We rob our relationships of the peace because we're looking for more than it was intended to give. And for me, like the need to succeed has been my primary area where I've had a toxic level of fulfillment or identity placed in it. And so throughout my life, it's been like this never ending, like it's like chasing the carrot. When I was younger and I was a youth group here, I was like 15, I'd look at Glenn and he would preach with his wee notebook folded in half and he'd walk around and he'd tell really funny stories and he'd hold a banana and say, this banana is perfectly shaped and you can peel it and this shows that Evolution's not real and God's incredible. I'd be like, wow, I want to be like you. I remember telling myself at night as I would practice preaching to the sheep, if I could just be like Glenn, if I could be a youth pastor, I'll have made it. And then I became a youth pastor and there are these things called regional leaders. And I was like, man, if I could just be a regional leader, I'll have made it. I'll feel fulfilled. I remember one day as a regional leader driving to Nelson, six hours with nothing to do other than talk to God, going, God, why don't I feel fulfilled? I've worked so hard. I've, I've gone the extra mile after mile. I've, I've done so much. Why don't I feel fulfilled? I remember just God speaking to me and saying, Jared, you need to understand that promotion isn't a reward from me. When I promote you and and I create more influence for you or I elevate you, that's not actually me rewarding you. That's me seeing that you want more work. That's what you want in your heart. So I'm like, okay, if you want more work, I'll give you more work. If you want to be like, you're like, you're becoming like a glutton for punishment. You just want to work. So I'll just give you work. But reward, when when you come to me, at the end of your days, and you enter into heaven, you enter into the fullness of your reward. And I understand that God richly rewards the hearts of those who earnestly seek Him. And, you know, there's the fruit of the presence of God and all of the things. He likes to reward us in our everyday life. But when we look at good things happening in us and we say, oh, that's God rewarding us, if that's our truth, then when good things aren't happening to us, our truth then is also, oh, God is not rewarding me. Therefore, I'm not doing enough. Therefore, I am not enough. Therefore, I must work harder. And so because every time um, something would go well for me and I'd get promoted in something, I was like, yes, God's rewarded me. Therefore, all of my hard work, all of the extra mile, all of my drivenness and striving is now being made legitimate and it has been edified because of this lie that I was believing that promotion equaled significance, it equaled reward, it equaled the Father's approval. 
So promotion or success isn't an indication of your worth. When we believe that that is the case, our circumstances begin to dictate our reality rather than our never-changing father. For me, I discover where I've misplaced significance when I don't actually get a return. When I invest identity into something and I don't get a return back and I have that sense of disappointment, like often there's an initial return, but it begins to fade as our self-propelled attitudes and the adrenaline of initial success wears off we find ourselves that there's something still missing in our life. And we find that we can have a lack of peace, a feeling of insecurity, the need to protect what we already have and hold on to it tightly. For me, it's been the need for other people to see my work and for other people to notice me. I can find areas in my life and we can find areas in our lives where we have misplaced our sense of identity when we continue to have that lack of satisfaction, when there's insecurities rising up or the need of the circumstances to edify yourself, always needing more, being anxious, living with worry and fear are just a few common symptoms of not living a life out of fulfillment. Ultimately, when I, when I then have those systems, those symptoms in my life, I find myself asking this question, was all my work worth it? Was it actually worth it? Because, yes, I did some of these things out of the right motives, but then a portion of it was out of the wrong motive, and that wrong motive was like, sometimes it feels like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was that extra mile that made you just go too far. and go, was it worth it now as a whole? Did I get the fulfillment I was searching for? And if I didn't, were my efforts good enough? And if my efforts weren't good enough, then am I good enough? For me, an interesting thing is because I, I, I so enjoy the presence of God and I find that I have a really natural ease of flowing with His presence and connecting with Him most of the time. But then on the other hand, it's almost like in my life I struggle sometimes to do life with Jesus, even though it's my natural design because my insecurities create a new default, which is to do life for Jesus. Where those same things that I find with people needing to notice me, I now need Jesus to notice me. And so Jesus, look at me. See how I'm giving you all of myself. See Jesus, how I'm holding nothing back. See Jesus, if you would notice me, you would see that I've, I've proved myself. I don't know if you've ever found yourself asking those questions. And I wanted to speak from myself today and give you the opportunity, if you hear things that you go, oh, I found myself doing that. If there's common threads coming through for you that you can identify with, then that's awesome because we're always on a process of stepping more into our fulfillment. I find myself doing things like saying, I have to please you, Jesus. I want to do well for you, Jesus, so that you would give me the grace that I need to go to the next level. Theologically, I know this is completely flawed, but at a heart level, it seems so real. But I don't know how much I have to do 
to get that grace from you. So I'm in a constant flux of that was good enough or that was not good enough. Maybe I should do more just in case. Because I want to get to the next level, whatever that level might look like. Maybe it's more promotion. Maybe it's more influence. Maybe it's ministry growth. Maybe it's seeing more miracles. Maybe it's seeing more people to get saved. Maybe it's a greater understanding of you. Maybe it's simply stewarding what you've given me more. Maybe, maybe, maybe there are too many different unknowns in this quantity for me to feel fulfilled. So where, where do we find fulfillment? Or where do we find the foundation for it? Because it's actually more than just one thing. But when we get the foundation for it correct, then the other precepts begin to layer on top of it. We just can't find fulfillment outside of Jesus. And I know that's so simple, but I'm 31 yet, and it still seems really confusing to me to apply that to my life. Over the last few while, I began reflecting of when it actually was simple to apply. I just think back to when I was about 16, and I felt fulfilled. And when I was 16, I didn't have, you know, the pressures that we have when we're adults. I didn't have mortgage. I didn't have family. I didn't have kids. I didn't have work. I had, I think it was eight sheep. And an unlimited power bill for having the longest showers known to mankind. And I would just worship in the shower or out with the sheep. Because David did that and it seemed to make sense to me. And so I would just worship all the time. Like pretty much every morning and every night I would just get up and I would worship. Maybe for an hour in the morning and an hour at night I would just pray and I would just worship. For no no agenda or, or no needing to prove myself, no one saw it. I was just, it was a natural, I'm just attracted to you, God. I just want to be more like you. I just want to be around you. There was no sense of I need to do this to achieve this or that. If I just, if you know, you inhabit the praises of your people, so wherever your presence is, there is freedom. And then if I've got this and people around me will start getting free and I'll be noticed and I'll be significant. I just love Jesus. I felt fulfilled. But as we grow, our world becomes more complex. And the more complex our world becomes, the simpler our heart priorities need to become. There was something I understood at 16 that as I grew, I overthought and I worked myself out of significant fulfillment. And so coming now to the Gospel of John, there has been altering layers of my heart. John chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, the Passion Translation says this, And now out of his fullness we are fulfilled. And from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. And as I read this, I began to journal, and I was journaling... um, and in a way, because I wanted to share it. So I just want to read this from my journal, also known as iPhone Notes. Could it be that our great Father, who is perfectly revealed to us through Jesus Christ, is gentle, loving, kind, thoughtful, and extravagantly generous? That out of Him, out of the overflow of who He is, we find perfect fulfillment. Not only fulfillment, but the perfect and limitless power to do and achieve all the things that God has placed in our hearts. 
But not only this, that as we stumble around trying to figure out the simplicity of love, that Jesus has wrapped these things in tender mercy for us. That even in our confusion, staring blankly at the obvious, he has tender mercy for us. I find myself asking, what did we do to deserve such a good father? And I know the answer is nothing. In him is the attraction to draw us in, to cause us to follow closer and to love stronger. We find our identity, or where we find our identity is where we discover true fulfillment. So I'd like to give you this morning just three practical steps of beginning to have a healthy foundation of fulfillment. And it's really simple, but it takes time to begin to apply. The first one, step one, we grow in fulfillment by understanding that we are deeply loved. Our identity, who we are, comes from knowing that we are his children, who he loves and who he is well pleased with. Having that as the primary truth of our life. Over the last uh, wee while, as I've had challenges come up and I felt that need to, to go the extra mile to prove something or to prove myself, I've paused and I've told myself, I am not my efforts, I'm not my work, who am I? I am one who is deeply loved. That is who I am and in that, that is enough. And I've had to stand with that and let that soak in and then ask myself, do I still need to do that? So first we have that revelation, that understanding, and we let that be the truth that we stand on. Secondly, we begin to ask God to show us where we've misplaced our identity. And in our quiet times, in our God times, just begin to go, Holy Spirit, would you just show me, where have I misplaced my identity? Where have I allowed it to get caught up and get lost in things that are outside of the truth that I'm just loved by you? Where are those places where my identity has been misplaced? And then thirdly, we begin to relocate that identity to the loving foundation where it belongs. We begin to ask the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would you, would you help me? Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry for, for putting my hope in things outside of you. Right now, I, I take that back and I place that aspect, that need back into you. I want to read just to you as, as I begin to close some notes from the author who has translated the Gospel of John into the Passion Translation. And this is what he says of John. John described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. This was not a term to indicate that Jesus loved John more than the others. Rather, John saw himself as the one that Jesus loved. You could also say this about yourself. I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. Every single believer can echo John's description of himself as these words must begin to become the true definition of our identity. Love unlocks mysteries. As we love Jesus, our hearts are unlocked to see more of his beauty and glory. When we stop defining ourselves by our failures, but rather by the one whom Jesus loves, then our hearts begin to open to the breathtaking discovery of the wonder of Jesus Christ. So we're fulfilled through the revelation of our hearts knowing that we're deeply loved by God, and that is who we are. That is the foundation of our fulfillment. And that's, that's the first layer. 
We're also hardwired for action. We're designed to do awesome things, to create, to leave legacy, to add significance to the world around us. That's the second layer. This is a God-given aspect that's intended to layer upon the foundation of our fulfillment, that we are loved by Him. Tonight, I want to unpack that aspect a little bit more in our evening service. Um, So I'd encourage you, if you can make it tonight, then come or otherwise, just listen to the podcast later on in the week because knowing that you're loved by Him is the primary aspect. And then understanding that out of that sense of being loved by Him, that begins to alter the reasons why we do significant things with Him. So this morning, let's take communion. Communion is a time where we take drink and we take bread and we remember that Jesus' blood was spilled on the cross for us. His body was broken. And we know that we're deeply loved because that's the price that He was willing to pay for us. That we don't have to do anything to have fulfillment because it costs Him so dearly to bring that fulfillment to us. So as you take communion this morning, I just have a prayer on the big screen that I encourage you just to spend some time just talking to God about it. It goes like this, God, please show me where I may be losing joy and peace by having a misplaced part of my identity and self-worth. God, I hand this back over to you and declare over myself that I am your child whom you deeply love. That is who I am. Through this love, I am fulfilled. So if you'd just like to stand now and come take communion and just go back to your space and just ask God to begin speaking to you around that this morning, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz.